This is the Misdirected Mark Podcast, a podcast about gaming, game mastering, and entertaining you, our listeners. We are explicit, you have been warned, and I'd like to thank Mike Willard for letting us use his music on our show. Now let's pick up those mics and get on with this thing. All right, before we begin, uh, everyone at Misdirected Mark would like to acknowledge the horrible war going on as Russia continues to unjustly invade Ukraine. We at Mr. Mark Productions stand with Ukraine and with Ukrainian people, and our support goes out to all of you. Hell yeah. All right. Did we ever settle on what actually happened to Parson Vall back when he was a cadet at Panda Station? We've hinted at it, but it seems it was a dangerous, mysterious, and pretty important. Though it happened to Parson, what, like 10 years ago before the campaign even started? Yeah, something like that. I mean, we could just discuss what happened or... We could play it out. I'd love to play a young Parson Vall, a dashing romantic pilot getting into one of the most defining moments of his life. Sounds good. Well, Mach well, Mach just wasn't there, but I'd love to play one of the supporting NPCs if we do this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We could do this. Like, this is totally doable. I would love to run a quick one shot set in the past of our campaign. So uh, let's discuss the particulars, figure out who Jerry's going to play, and then, like, I can, you know, put something together. We totally do that. And with that, Welcome to the 466th episode of the Mr. Mark Podcast. Tonight, we discuss one-shots and side quests in your tabletop role-playing games. Along the way, we'll take your comments, examples, and suggestions live from the chat room for life on Twitch before jumping into the after show. But first, my name is Jerry. My name is Phil. And I am Old Man Logan. Welcome back to the Mr. Mark Podcast. As always, we're going to lead off with our temperature check, see how everybody's feeling tonight. Phil, how are you feeling? I am recovering, my friend. I am recovering. Um, yesterday, I met with my accountant. Um, it was not good. Um, it was really not good. Um, I'm going to be okay, but um, it hit me for a loop, and um, I was in a pretty dark place last night, I oh. will admit. Um, mental health-wise, I don't think I've been quite that bad Um in a long time. And, uh, luckily, um, luckily my, um, own self-defense ability of just passing out kicked in and I fell asleep. Um, I woke up this morning and, um, started, uh, working on how to fix it. Um, and, uh, slowly but surely I've been kind of recovering through the day. Um, I don't know if you've ever been seriously depressed from an event, but, um, for me, it comes with this kind of hangover like feeling um, where I was pretty super tired and like felt like uh, um, way too much um, gravity um, was taking place. Mm-hmm. And uh, slowly through the day, I've kind of uh, reclaimed it. I did take a pretty long nap before dinner. Um, and uh, I just kind of kicked in pretty much every other self care mechanism to slowly drag myself. Um, out of it but i will say that last night was probably the darkest couple hours i've had in a long long time pandemic and everything withstanding so it was uh it was not a great night i'm definitely in um better shape today and uh you know ready to kind of just ease forward and get into the show i feel you brother that was most of my 2008 yeah i remember so anyway Sorry to be a downer on that, but I'm glad I kind of went first so that we can, you know, hopefully move up tempo. Uh, Jerry, how about you? Good. Uh, 
a little tired. I don't know why exactly, but I think just this weather has knocked me out physically. I because I'm prone to allergies based on sinus changes, and so when we go from 20 degrees to 60 degrees in one day, it tends to mess with my 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 sinuses. And so I end up taking a lot of allergy beds, which then means I'm high on antihistamines for a day. So today I just crashed. I came home and actually took a nap, but I never nap. So I barely ever sleep. So that was good. So I feel bit, I feel much better now. Um, so, uh, and uh, that just kind of looking forward. I'm teaching a class uh, tomorrow. So that'll get me all revved up. I'll be on all day. Um, so probably, I'll probably need to come down a little bit when I come home. <laughs> but uh, looking forward to it. Because I like, uh, it's always tough starting the class. But once I get going, I can just run with it for eight, nine hours straight without difficulty. So um, kind of getting psyched up for that. So that's me. Bob? Yeah. Um, mentally, um, feeling pretty good. A solid B. And um, physically, um, while I've been having a lot of a lot of problems with my, my neck and back chronic problems, um, they're, they're slowly getting better. Uh, you know, little of this, little of that. Um, I'll get into that more down downstream later on at towards the tail end of the show but uh not feeling bad today so rock and roll that means we can jump into the announcements and we had announcements we have yes we jerry do. you want to take um jerry you want to take the first one all right first sorry gotta have again the first one is we have a couple of new um bundles the first one is 493 games to support trans rights in texas hell yeah and this includes games like damn the man Save the music for the dungeon, a bunch of them. It's on itch.io and it's TTRPGs for trans rights in Texas. I believe it's $5 at the, as the initial cost to get 493 games. That's like a dollar, that's like a penny a game, guys um, and gals and everybody else. Um, and uh, it's, it's, it's a great bundle. There are so many good games in there. It's um, raised a bunch of money, right? It's, oh, yeah, uh, it's over two over two hundred thousand, I think, right now. Fantastic. Uh, we are at uh, right now. We are at two hundred seventy three thousand dollars. They're trying to reach three hundred thousand. Yep. So, anybody, if we kick in there and get this in there, um, I tossed a few extra bucks their way just to keep it going because you know, pardon my French, but fuck that law. You know, just fuck that goddamn law. Right. Anyway. Anyway. So. Fuck that law. Fuck that governor. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. 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 Anyway, uh, tell us about yeah, the next, next one because you're on a roll. And the next one is, and that's as impressive as hell. The next one is 991 games, uh, both RPGs and video games, to support the Ukraine. Um, This is a bundle to um, support various charities like International Medical Corps and Voices for the Children. Um, It's 991 role-playing games. includes games like Thirsty Sword Lesbians, which uh, Phil and Senda have played quite a bit of. Um, And this one's, uh, they are at... uh, 1.8 1.8 million dollars going for their two million dollar goal so they're really close yes. as well yeah um it's uh but i'm, I'm not kidding it's it's ten dollars for 991 games again a penny a game spend 15 bucks and get close to 1500 games between yeah. those two and support some amazing remarkable. causes some amazing <laughs> yeah. amazing causes um, absolutely i'm i'm I, I love it when i love it when gamers uh you know kick in their dollars and, and, and support people in ways that actually mean something. Also, fuck of, Putin. Yep. Oh, yeah. Fuck Putin. And if we're <laughs> going for the trifecta and yeah. we don't have a bundle for this, but also just fuck Ron DeSantis and his um, um, don't say gay law that's yep. about yeah. to pass in Florida. So, like, yeah. fuck all of them. I'm that's, just that's right. the trifecta of fuck you guys tonight. <laughs> um, before we jump off this real quick, 
um, Thirsty Sword Lesbians, just reminded that you can also hear a live play of Thirsty Sword Lesbians on She's a Super Geek. Yep. Yes. So go check out those amazing back episodes uh, because, you know, it's awesome. Yeah. All right. Last one on our announcements um, tonight. Um, this one um, is um, Improv for Gamers, second edition. This is Karen 12's uh, improv gaming book uh, that's published by Evil Hat. Um, and I believe in this second edition, there are some words of wisdom from our very own Queen Senda um, in this uh, in this book. So she is in there as well. Um, the important part, and I want to stress this, the important part is this crowdfunding is being done on GameFound, not Kickstarter. Yep. Um, this is Evil Hats uh, testing the waters on uh, on using GameFound. Uh, mine, uh, just as for people who don't know, GameFound is an alternative crowdfunding platform that isn't trying to pander to crypto bros and NFTs and all that other um, ecologically destroying bullshit. Fuck you, Kickstarter. Um, so we are on a roll. The important, the important part here is um, Evil Hat is testing the waters to see if they can do a successful campaign on this platform. Uh, if you can, if you can support this game on this platform and send a message to Evil Hat that yes, this platform is viable, it will give Evil Hat a um, a way to do crowdfunding that does not involve um, blockchain and fucking ecological disaster and also the ridiculous fucking high price of graphics cards for PCs. Um, if we're yeah. just going to be like, you know, yeah. just, just going to be, you know, if we're going to just be upfront about everything. So if you have a PC and can't get a decent graphics card, also fuck those crypto bros. Um, man, we're just, you know what? Fuck a lot of people tonight. Tonight's yeah, announcement yeah, we... section is like support cool people and fuck a whole bunch of bad people. That's that's we, we that's the theme to the announcement. Our, our light on the politics curtain. We we just threw that Whatever. wide open. <laughs> yeah. You know what? But the good you news is we're can, done with the announcements. So we yeah. are done with the announcements, and I'm done with a whole bunch of people that you know. Uh, whatever. I think yeah. you know my. You're feeling it. I'm feeling it. Fuck yeah. those guys. I know. All right. You want to talk about I'm some gaming stuff? Let's talk about some yeah. gaming stuff. I think we should jump into the feature segment. So you get to pontificate just a little bit longer. Get that voice ready, Phil. Ready? Yeah, yeah. Yep. Go. Workshop, workshop. We're going to talk about one shots. We're going to talk about side quests. Even better, we're going to smash them together and talk about one shot side quests. What are they? How do you do them? How do you make them cool? We're going to find out here tonight where, where in the workshop. Oh, and don't suck. suck. All right. So tonight we're going to talk about two gaming concepts that kind of go well together. One shots and side quests. And much like peanut butter and jelly, these can go together wonderfully. And can be a fun change for any ongoing campaign. Right, right, Bob? Peanut butter and jelly, good stuff. Much like peanut butter and jelly. Peanut butter and fluff. Peanut butter and marshmallow fluff. Peanut butter and bananas. Uh, So (laughs) stay on target. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Clearly, we have to have definitions tonight. So, yep. (laughs) Let's do this for Phil because. Behold! are in the presence of definition panda i'm gonna get to those definitions in a second that uh peanut butter and jelly um 
quote is not my best trolling of Bob recently. My best trolling of Bob was uh, in the last Ox game. <laughs> I got him several times with a one-liner. Yeah. <laughs> Save it for the after show. Yeah. All right, listen, let's talk about some definitions for tonight. Um, we basically need to uh, define our topic. Um, and we're going to do that by defining it as the two main terms, and then we'll stick them together and talk about what it means when you, um, when you combine them. The first one is one shot, right? A single story for a game ideally designed to be played in one session, not required, but ideally designed to be played in one session. Um, there is no expectation that there will be a second story, right? A one shot is just it. Like we're playing this. Um, if, if you're expecting a second story, you're about to play a campaign. Um, for RPGs, one shots come in all sorts of forms and, and shapes and stuff. Uh, there are games that are completely designed for one shot play, but pretty much almost any game can be run as a one shot. I'm going to caveat that by saying some games don't really um, don't really hit their stride until you've played a couple sessions, but yeah. pretty much any game can be played uh, as a one shot. Um, we have one shots that are run for conventions and game days, right? We like, you know, we're all familiar with that. Um, but you can just run a one shot at home for your existing game group. That's what our example was uh, at the top of the show. You know, just talking about our um, our that's our sci-fi one. I don't know if Jerry's named those campaigns yet, but Jerry's got. If you've never, if you've listened to enough shows, Jerry's got this like built up mythology of a whole bunch of games that we've like we've never played played. Um, but anyway. Um, we can you can just run these one shots in your home game, okay? Um, and by its very nature, if you've listened to enough early pandas um, talking games, uh, a one shot is not a campaign, right? Those are two very distinct um, entities. Let's talk about side quests. Side quest is an objective that is separate from the main plot line. Um, I think the term really came out of video games. I don't know which one came first but i feel like for me when i hear side quest i almost instinctively go to video games first in fact for me it's baldur's gate um the original baldur's gate but anyway um a side quest is often a story that's separate from the main campaign arc um, and the stories that make up that arc a side quest is a campaign story tool as in for a for a side quest to really be a side quest you need it to be like diverging from a campaign. So keep that in mind. Um, it's often something different for the PCs to do um, as it is a change in beats from the main story arc. So a side quest um, could can actually take multiple sessions. Um, so we can go on a side quest, you know, in the middle of a campaign, just go off for two or three sessions doing this, you know, this thing that's totally not related to the main campaign arc and then swing back around um, and rejoin the campaign arc. But now Let's do our peanut butter and chocolate, our Reese's um, effect here, and put the two together. A one-shot side quest. This is a story designed to be played in a single session that is separate from the main story arc of the campaign. So in this case, the one-shot side quest is both a one-shot in that this side quest will only take one story and ideally one session, but it is also part of your campaign. Um, so it is a one-shot designed to be played in a session, 
but it is also part of your campaign, takes place within your campaign world, and if you choose so, has impacts on the campaign world and other plot lines. Cool? All right. Thanks, Phil. Now that we understand that, why should you run something like this in your game, Jerry? Well, to some GMs, it might seem to run a bit counter to a campaign, but there are some situations where running a one-shot or side quest can be useful and fun and help to build up your campaign as a whole. So here's a couple of reasons you might want to have either a one-shot or a side quest. Uh, yeah. First one is not everyone can show up that night. It's, I think, number top, top five answers on the board. <laughs> um, number one, not everyone can show up. It's a great solution for um, you know, what we've called a like I, I know in our group we call it a blown game night, right? Where yeah. all of a sudden you kind of find out like, oh, somebody can't make it. Or in today's age, oh, somebody tested positive or had a or had a COVID scare or something like that, right? Oh, we can't play. Mm-hmm. So it's a great chance to jump in and do one of those. Jer. Yep. The next one is if you're playing with a different group of people, all of a sudden you're you're running your game and um, you decide that you want to keep running the game, but this time you've got a different group of people that are just going to play for one or two sessions um, because you're trying something out or because you're at a con or something else, but you want to keep the story in the same campaign without affecting the campaign as a whole. Mm-hmm. You can play with a different group of people. Yep. Uh, you can do it if you want to just shake things up with your current group. Like it's a great change of pace. Like, you know, you've been playing this campaign. Everybody's been, you know, you've been going through this long story. You kind of reached the end of the story and you're like, hey, you know what? We're going to just do this one shot side quest and we're going to play like a, a bunch of other characters for the night. Great way to shake things up. The next is if you want to focus on a story involving just one PC. Um, this is how I used to do it a lot when I was in college. We're going to talk about this a lot more later. But sometimes you want to have a story that just focuses on one PC. So you're going to do a side quest about that PC. And the other players are going to be coming along either as NPCs or playing younger versions of their characters or different versions of their characters or whatever. It'd be a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, you can do it to flesh out a character's backstory. So much like our example at the top, um, if you want to tell a story that was part of somebody's background, but you now actually want to go play it out, um, this is really a cool way um, to actually take it to the table by, you know, um, shunting it into this one-shot side quest. Yep. The next is, maybe you want to detail a group of NPCs and their adventures. What happened to this group before they met the party, or what are they doing in, at the same time the party's doing something? So instead of just having a situation where the players come back and they find out, oh, X happened while you were gone, play that actual scenario out so the players get a chance to take those NPCs and run with them. Gipper. Yeah. Uh, lastly, um, similar to fleshing out a character's backstory, you might just want to, um, and this doesn't, and this isn't tied to a character's backstory, but you might want to detail something that happened in the past. Um, perhaps you want to play out the, you know, the moment where the ring is lost. Um, we, you know, we can we can do that in a one shot side quest and actually play out that um, play out that whole thing so that the players actually have a, a more intimate understanding of some piece of the campaign history because they didn't just hear it told to them by the GM or come up with it, you know, as you were world building, but instead you've actually gotten to play that moment. All right. So obviously there's plenty of reasons to do a one-shot side quest. It also turns out there's a bunch of different ways to run them. Why don't you talk about that, Phil? Yeah. When we are doing one-shot side quests, we are talking about two things that we need to, we need to consider. First of all, what characters are we going to use? 
are we going to be using the characters from our campaign or are we going to use other characters like we're going to make up some NPCs or some use some existing NPCs from, you know, that are already in the campaign. So that that's our first question is who is going to be in our one shot side quest? The second question we need to ask then is what system are we going to use for this? Are we going to use the system in for the game that we're currently running or are we going to change it up and actually pull in a different game and use a different system slash game to tell this particular story? Now, as you know, here on the Misdirected Mark, anytime we have two questions, each with two, an- two possible answers, we like to put them in a Punnett square and look at all the combinations. So, for, so here's all of our permutations for this that you can explore. I'll start with the first one, then I'm going to kick it to Jerry. First one is same character, same system. So in this case, you're just writing a story that takes place out of the main campaign arc, but you're sticking to everything else, right? So depending on your campaign um, and where this story fits, um, you may need to roll back the power levels of the character, right? So if your story just comes off your main plot line right where, like right in current time, no big deal. You're just on like a little side quest for, you know, for that, for that evening, this one shot kind of thing totally fine. Like, you know, you all go to town and the person who can't come that night um, gets drunk and, you know, passes out in the tavern and the rest of you get embroiled in a, in a one-shot adventure. Um, and the next week when the character arrives and he's like, hey, what happened? He woke up, you know, at the tavern and everybody else is like, oh, you missed it. Right. Perfectly fine. Um, these kinds of one-shot side quests are really easy to run. Uh, because you're currently immersed in the system, so you're familiar with it, and you know all the characters, um, and the characters are already created because they're the characters that you're using right now. Jerry, what's the next permutation? Well, this is a great one. Same characters in a different system. Um, I used to do this a lot. In this case, we're just taking the characters and translating them to a new system to tell a story. Um, sometimes we're doing this because there's something interesting about telling the specific story in the system you're choosing. Um, sometimes you're doing it just because the players want to try a different system and the easiest way to do it is just convert their characters over and play a little scenario. And they're familiar with the characters are familiar with how their abilities should work. So they get to see how they would work in the new system and see if it's something they want to play down the line. But of course your main challenge here is going to be translating the characters. Um, and so depending on the game, you want to do this between sessions. Uh, I used to do this all the time in my superhero games. We'd play the same characters in V and V and then in champions and in face Marvel and then in DC heroes. And then, whatever other game system we could drag out. Um, but it was nice to see how you could, you, it, it works. It's something you can do and have a good time with. And with the regular players, they can have a ball with it. Uh, oftentimes it also makes them appreciate the game they're presently playing. <laughs> uh-huh. Phil? Phil? Yeah, your next, your next combination is different characters, but same system. So here we're looking at um, the adventures of a different group of characters but we're using our established system that for the campaign. Um, and this is good when you want to keep playing the system, or like we said earlier, you want to show some people the system that you're currently playing, but you need to tell a story about another group of characters, right? Um, a great example of this is like your main heroes have been captured. So everybody then uh, makes up a new character, like low-level misfit character heroes or whatever, um, whose one shot is they're going to save the main heroes. 
So you just like throw these NPCs together and send them off to like, you know, rescue your main characters. Now for this, um, the thing you need to take into consideration is you're going to have system mastery because you're currently playing the system and you are good with the system. Um, but you're going to need to have new characters. So depending on how it, um, intense character generation is in your game, um, which could be as easy as picking up a playbook and checking a few boxes, or it could be as difficult as breaking out the software um, <laughs> to properly assemble your 12th level Pathfinder character. Um, account for that when you're doing your prep, right? If you've like, don't try to do a one shot and be like, hey, let's all make 12th level, you know, Pathfinder characters right now. That may be your whole one shot. Um, but if you have time, prep those or tell everybody to bring one, right? And then you'll be ready to jump into your one shot. Do you feel that that you're making the assumption that any game I play, I don't have like a dozen or two player characters that I've designed on the fly just to see how things work and the stick it as instant NPCs. But uh, yeah, I mean, you bless, have that bless you, bless you, Jerry, bless you for having <laughs> extra characters. I never do. I make oh. like one imperfect character, and I'm like ride or die for that character through mm -hmm. the campaign. No, no, no. I mean, as a GM, I will often part of how I try to teach myself the game is I'll try to make a dozen or so characters and have them available for when, when we need a, you know, we need a pilot for the ship or we need another blaster or we need that, you know, um, you know, that hacker or whatever. Just, I like to do that. It's just, and it's, it's a good way to teach. That's how I teach myself how the game works. Also bless you. Characters. Also bless yeah. you because I never make my NPCs with the same stats, the same stats or rules as the characters. I am, oh, no. I almost always make asymmetrical NPCs where um, <laughs> I, they, they have whatever stats I need them to have. Yep. Um, some games do that better than others, but we will save yeah. that for a future uh, yes. for a future side quest of our own. Anyway, yeah. what's our next one? Last one is different characters and a different system. Um, in this case, we're going to keep the campaign setting and change everything else. Um, this can be done when we want to look at some of the characters and tell a story them in a system that's better designed for that kind of play. Um, for example, you want to use turning pointing in the mind of an NPC to determine what major decision they're going to make uh, in the middle of your D&D 5e game. Um, that sort of thing would work perfectly well. Um, mm -hmm. Basically, you're essentially running a totally separate one-shot for this, um, and your prep is going to depend a lot on your system mastery and just how complicated the game is that you're trying to do. Um, so, you know, if you're running something like, you might do something like, say, uh, one of the uh, power, uh, what are the, what do they call the ones that are the Band of Blades? I want to say Powered by the Apocalypse, but it's not. Um, oh, Forge it's in the Forge Dark in the, Yeah, That's Forge in the Dark. The Forge in the Dark games, um, you know, those have a very mechanical system. And for a, a side story, you might want to play something with a different setup. And it might take you a little while to create those characters for that separate system. Um, but either way, it can be a lot of fun and give players a chance to really um, delve into the rest of that world and have a good time with it and kind of see what happens um, without having to be tied down by whatever mechanics are with the initial game. So yeah. it can be a lot of fun. And it should go without saying here, there is no correct or one choice from those combinations. Every one of those combinations is awesome in its own way. Um, the only reason that we called them out individually is that each of them has a slightly different approach um, and some things to consider when you are putting it together. But any one of the four, totally awesome. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So let's wrap up this part of the show with uh, some general tips about one-shot side quests. What do we got for them, Jerry? Okay, so here are some general tips for running great one-shot side quests. 
Uh, as always, this is not a complete list and these are in no particular order, but uh, we're through the standard MMP format. So Phil, start us out. Yeah, um, even if the story is about one particular character, like in our um, opening where we wanted to find out about Bob's character, Parson, um, mm -hmm. make sure that you also spotlight the other characters as well. I know it's a one shot and, you know, we're, we're trying to stay tight and focused, but everybody else is there to also have a good time. So, you know, make sure you spread a little bit of the spotlight and a little bit of the love around for the other characters that are going to take part in this um, in this one shot side quest. And it's easy enough to do by just setting up the scenario. If, if you're going to do a story about Parsons' youth as a young pilot and somebody else is going to be playing the the tech or the fixer, just have a scene where that particular character's skills become important. And then uh, you've still got the main story going on, but that other character has some importance to the story without stealing away from, from Parsons' main plot line. It's, it's easy enough to do. Just look at the characters you've got and as a GM, stick in some things that fit them. So pretty much the way uh next if it's short you can make it an important adventure remember it should be either important to the pcs important to the plot or important to the backstory um if possible just make it something that's important that when they're done they know why they've played this backstory even if it's yeah. just a story of you know you know how, how the draft got its spots or something it's a good story no, I think I think it's I mean, it's fun to just be like, oh, let's like like you know, let's do a thing and just, you know, play around or whatever. But I think that really where um these really um shine in the course of a campaign is just like you said, if you if you pick something important about it, right? It's a, it's important because it focuses on a PC or reveals something about the past of the game or, you know, talks about some, you know, some other group or something like that. Um, I think that's, I think that's like really where this tool shines. All right. Um, next one. If you are going to do um, different system, right? If you're going to do either one of the choices with different system, do it because you're going to highlight some of the um, different new or fun parts of that system, right? Like, that's like if you're switching systems, the the point is to really get everything out of that system. So uh, pick a system that fits what you're doing well and make sure that in the game you create situations where players can really um, try that out. I'll use a very trivial example, but I think it'll make my point. Um, if your players were fascinated by the idea of using cards for initiative um, and you are running Savage Worlds, make sure you throw a combat in so that you can get the cards out and let everybody try it, yeah. right? That like make sure that you're getting that part out there. Mm -hmm. Number next one is ask your players what sort of side quest they're interested in. Um, you know, do they want to do a backstory? Do they want to do something from the past? Do they want to do a side quest? Do they want to do an adventure all about those NPCs they met? Do they want to find out, you know, where that starship plan was originally stolen from? Do they want to find out how many Bothans actually died? <laughs> Who's just going to make that reference? <laughs> it was one. It was one. Her name is Many. And her last yes, name many is Bothans. B-A-W-T-H-E-N-S. Many Bothans died getting the plans. Is there a Bothans? Many Bothans here? Yeah. There's actually a, a running gag in the Blue Milk Special comic, which is all about Star Wars, where Admiral Akbar keeps sending... Bothans out to do things. Like I said, I said Bothans out to get me a cup of coffee ten minutes ago. They're all dead. <laughs> uh, so 
but seriously, just just follow up with that and figure out. Um, a lot of times, players have an idea of what they want to explore with their character, and it might not fit in with the main game, but a side quest is perfect for that. And most players are also along the line of, you know, if if Bob says I want to explore X, the rest of the party's like, yes, let's see what happens when Bob's character does X. You know, it will be hilarious. So, all right, <laughs> Phil. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> um, use your one shot to provide important plot hooks to the players in an alternate fashion. Um, in the idea of the many Bothans, uh, right? Playing a one shot or even the rogue one, right? Playing the rogue one, one shot. Let's all right. First of all, pause for a second. I got to get out my soapbox here. Excuse <laughs> me to just drag this out for a moment. Climb up on top of it. <clears throat> tap, tap. Is this thing on in the world of cinema and in the world of star Wars? The greatest one-shot side quest that was ever created is Rogue One. Testify. It is. It is. If you want the best example of a one-shot side quest that did everything correctly, right there for you. Right there, Rogue One. You cannot do it better. Going back to what I was saying, Rogue One does exactly what I just said. It is the one-shot side quest that explains where the plans for the original Death Star come from. Nobody makes it out of the one-shot. Everybody in the one-shot is wickedly cool and gets a moment to shine. They do something that is monumental in the course of the overall campaign being the three original movies. But that's it, right? Like, their part, like, when they hand those plans to Princess Leia, that one shot's over, right? And you know, actually, as soon as the ship goes to hyperspace, hyperspace, <laughs> that one shot's over. It's amazing, just mm, so good, um, and such a great way to um, really get your players excited. Like, for, and I'll just say this, and then I'm going to climb down for my soapbox. If you are in a long-term campaign and you are heading for the big climax of the campaign. Changing beats and doing the one-shot side quest that does whatever so that when it ends, it puts, the, it puts something in the player's hands as they're about to leave for the climactic adventure battle or whatever. That's some badass play. Like, that's some just badass uh -huh. GMing. Like, you will, your players will love it. It is a change in pace. It leads into their big moments. So it, like, feeds into the storyline. It is, it is a it is a bold, it is just a bold and awesome move for a game. Okay. Allow me to climb down from my soapbox <laughs> while Jerry takes us to the next point. I want to say one thing. I actually put that one in, Phil, and I think you should talk about this in the after show. I put that comment in there because that's literally what you did this weekend for all of us in NBA. Hmm. We, did, we did a bunch of one shots. It was all about you seeding the plot hooks to the next part of the game. Yeah. So talk about that in the after show for us. Anyway, um, the next one is, if your players are into it, this is a good place to put in romantic drama dun, dun, and of course dun. i'm gonna put I'm gonna, I'm gonna put a parenthesis there messy romantic drama because that's always the best kind um but yeah if your players are into it this is the place to stick romantic drama into your story because it gives them a time time to slow down the beat of the adventure and doesn't take away from the main campaign but gives you a chance to do some some fun things either with their existing pcs or just if your players want to change a pace this is a great way to inter interject that in there and see how players work with it um and again we'd always like to recommend if you're going to do romantic drama safety tools especially the okay check-in so or not the okay check-in what's the other one you have spark spark thank you spark, spark. 
both okay check it and spark and a whole lot of consent whole lot of consent yep all right what's the next one phil oh the next one's a great one the next one is you could just do a what if Mm -hmm. right just do a one do a one shot side quest to play out like a little what if um this is a great one for same characters same system because you just do like a little like what if we got a hold of you know um, the ring of awesomeness or whatever, right? And just do it and be done with it. I'm going to tell you when we get to the round table that I did a little something like this in a very bad way. Um, I'm going to tell you how not to do the what if episode when we get to the, uh, uh, what's called, when we get to the round if you, table. If you stop and think about it, how many times in a, in a game have you had a session where like, say everything went poorly, all the dice rolls were against you that night and you basically come out of the the evening like just with your tails tucked between your legs, scraping and clawing for every bit of a of, of, of tiny amount of dignity left just to get out of the session alive and and then have to kind of go back to square one. And you thought, man, if only that one role would have gone better, like we would have done X or whatever. Like then, yeah. like, you know what? What if that would have happened? Let's do yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, let's just play it out. Let's see what happens. What if can be a lot of fun? Uh, what if can even be a lot of fun for campaigns that have already ended? If somebody comes up with a good idea for something like, what if we did this differently? You know, what if Baron Badass got away? A, a what, what if, if can become so popular that it becomes its own campaign? Like, uh, let's. Uh, that, that, yeah. that, that is what happens in several of the. Um, what do they call it? What, what, what I'm, I'm missing the t- what are we? What's the term for games that have an existing uh, uh, license? licensed games i guess uh we've talked about things that happens what you know what happens if the players roll frodo and take the ring you know what happens if all the major characters get blown up in robotech what happens if that moisture farmer and his priest get killed in the cantina that kind of stuff you know what happens after that we've played those games um so i I recommend them highly if your players have a tolerance for you messing with canon so uh Good stuff. Take us to the last one, Jer. Last one. Uh, If you're using different characters in your one-shots and side quests, once they're done, make sure they come back in the main game as NPCs, either directly or by reference. Uh, Same things by the NPCs in the story themselves. Players love callbacks. And once something happens, if later on you can refer to them, especially if they played those NPCs, it could be really cool for, hey, you know, we need to do this, that, or the other thing. well, I, you know, oh, that's the that's the soldier that was, you know, Bob's character in that scenario, and now he's guarding the prince. That'll be cool. Also, you have all the stats from the game, so they're like a fully fleshed out NPC anyway. Yep. It'll also give your players a chance. If you're a GM and you have players who are unnaturally cautious all the time because of previous bad experiences with less than forgiving GMs, introducing them to an NPC they've already met will automatically give you some level of trust between those players and that NPC. It's a good way to get information, other stuff across to the players by having a already friendly NPC show up to give them that information because they know they've played that soldier and that soldier wouldn't lie to the heroes kind of thing. Um, Sometimes you need that. Uh, So, all right. Uh, So that's our look at one shots and side quests in your campaigns. We're going to take a break, check in with the chat room real quick. The chat room has been chatty. I'm liking oh, yeah. it. Um, but first, Bob, tell us about another show on the Misdirected Mark Network, please. Yeah. So tonight we're going to talk about bonus experience. 
Ray and Monica are two old friends exploring gameplay and design through the lens of diversity while also sharing some of the dumbest humor gaming has to offer. All right, chat room. So uh, Jared was talking about um, running a one-shot DC Adventures game where he used the established characters as pregens, but he told everybody to determine what version of the character they were using. And they ended up with a Batman and Robin from All-Star Batman and Robin by Miller, which I'm not familiar with that particular story, but I'm sure it's Jerry Miller has so, an idea. You know. Yeah. Yeah. I can imagine That's, you'd get uh, an interesting mix if you had uh, uh, a bunch of different flavors of, of characters from different eras of the, uh, of the DC universe. If you had Miller Batman, but Super Friends Robin, or, 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 oh or Batman God. 66 Robin, just... That would be more. I I want I want to see Batman sixty six Batman and Damian Wayne Robin. <laughs> There'd be some fun Damian ones. Wayne you could probably you could... just kill him and get it over with. Uh, um, Jared good, also man. Jared also said that Dune RPG is putting out a box set where you get to make up your own house and are given a racket to see how it would have gone if they ran it. That's pretty cool. I like that. Yeah, that um, um that that. I didn't realize that's how they set up the Dune RPG. I, I think that is just brilliant. Like instead of just being like, Hey, we're going to shoehorn you into a whole shitload of uh campaign, like background mm-hmm. instead, like, Hey, let's see how you do. Yeah. Yep. I like that a lot. Uh, Jared also mentioned that one of the reasons he likes to run Marvel heroic and PBTA is that he hates making pre-gens yes. uh, is that it's easy Don't to sit in there and toss some stuff and go from there. Yep. I mean, it's true. I mean, when you're doing one shot prep and stuff, um, making characters for them, um, depending on the system you're doing, can just be like it can be such a slog. I I, I do like PBTA games for that fact. Like, print your playbooks, yeah. throw them on the table. Like, I uh, I definitely definitely enjoy that. Absolutely. All right, cool. Let's jump into uh, part two of the uh, of the segment uh, with our uh, roundtable questions. Starting with question number one, Phil. Sure. Question number one, name an enjoyable one-shot side quest you have participated in, and we'll use participated in um, Mm -hmm. the broadest sense possible, play GM, witness, um, (laughs) et cetera. Um, So tell me about one of your favorite one-shot side quests. For me, it would be when I was running V&V in college, and I had what I call the vacation adventures. Um, as I've mentioned before, when I was running VNV in college, I was running VNV four or five days a week and not for the same four players, but not always the same four players at the same time. And so sometimes somebody would just show up and, you know, Hey, can we play a game tonight? And I'm like, sure. And I would just grab something. And sometimes what we would do is we just take one of their, one of their characters and just do a backstory. We'd take a bunch of NPCs I had sitting on the side uh, and I had lots of NPCs sitting on the side like dozens of, of, of super teams. Um, and we would just do a backstory, have them go off somewhere, do a side quest. Um, in some cases, do an adventure where they went out to fulfill some something or to follow up on somebody they met. Um, and what would happen is I'd be running this and inevitably about an hour into the game, one or more of the players, other players would show up at my room. Hey, what's going on? Can I get in on this game? And I would just start handing out NPCs to the other players to play as we went along. Um, and the fun of this was that as they played these, sometimes it would take more, multiple nights to finish them. They would flesh out these NPCs and get to like them to the point where 
there were sometimes the players would say, Hey, are we doing anything Thursday? No. Can we play another game where we all play the sentries or the Nova team or disorder force or whatever, but they just wanted to play those other NPCs that were already pre-generated and continue with their stories when they showed back up. Um, this was also a lot of fun because more than once I based adventures strictly on song lyrics. Um, we had adventure based on weird elves, velvet Elvis, um, the Thompson twins don't mess with Dr. Dream kind of writes itself. Um, and these just kind of went on and on, but they became a lot of fun and became kind of the staple of my four years at college. So, um, and everybody wanted to have an adventure where they got to have their character go on vacation and leave the team for a while, go do something else. Mm -hmm. Generally, they would go on vacation, stumble upon a plot, normally involving a novice super team that needs help. And then they would go from there. Um, except for my roommate, Ross, who whenever he went on vacation, he just took the rest of the team with him because, as he quoted, whenever we go on vacation, we get attacked by somebody. So I'm just bringing the rest of the team along to guard me while I sit on the beach. Um, but it was a lot of fun. And uh, it got to the point where it went, they were, they, they were often planned side quests. Um, and a lot of the plots that developed from these became staples of the campaign. Uh, major villains became nemeses. And um, you know, plots, romances, and everything else came out of these adventures to the point where the players got a chance to kind of explore parts of their characters they weren't able to do in the main plot line because they were so busy chasing down villains and so on. Um, and I wasn't really great at writing superhero adventures that weren't find the villain, beat them up, stop the bad guy kind of thing. So when we had these side vacation adventures, it was often a lot more role-playing. And to be honest, I think it made me a better GM because it made me change, get out of my safety zone and do new things. Um, and everybody had a good time with it. And uh, so anyway, that's I, I'm a big fan. I had a ball with those. And anytime the players wanted to do a side quest, I was there for them. Um, so uh, we'll talk about a different one in the after show because I don't want to tie this up with too much detail. Bob? So um, the one I've got, and, and we've, we've mentioned this before on the show, but um, I did not actually participate in this game per se. I was not a player in this actual session. But for our Iron Heroes campaign that Phil ran that we've talked about ad nauseum, um, Phil ran a one-shot at Gen Con one year for a bunch of his friends that had, never, that had never played Iron Heroes before. And so he created a side mission that was pivotal to the campaign that was in, in play. Um, and took them out on it, and um, I was watching them play and enjoying the, uh, the 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 interactions of the characters and what they were doing and everything. Um, but what actually happened was the characters got a piece of information that was then funneled back to my character from the uh, from the main party, um, and it was uh, one of those earth shaking moments that basically defined the rest of the campaign. Um, where my character found out what his role was in the ultimate end game of the of the campaign on how to stop the demon king, um, it was shocking. It was <laughs> um, it was very heavy. It was very uh, it was an emotional moment. I like started reading the note Phil handed me, and I was like, "Huh? What?" <laughs> <laughs> I literally had to get up and walk away as I processed everything and kept reading. And it was just like, wow, <laughs> I'm like touche Phil. <laughs> it was one of those moments that's like this, this was amazing. Um, which is one in a small, uh, one small thing in a long list of amazing things about that campaign. But that, that campaign um, was pretty, 
pretty wild. That was a hell of a side quest. Um, and again, it had major impact on the on the campaign overall. Um, it was important. Um, and uh, and uh, he he highlighted the system for all of the all the players that had never played before. He did all the stuff we talked about. Um, so it was a really yeah, good and time it could have just him. been a throwaway, right? Like yeah. it could have been a throwaway because it wasn't my intention initially when I started writing it to have the tie into Bob's character. But as I got to writing it, I was like, oh, wouldn't it be just really badass if this like like yeah. if this is the like thing that hands like you know information off to to Bob's character? And like it was it was definitely not my intention when I started writing, but it was it it was definitely incorporated while I was writing it. And then I just had to convince Bob to sit and watch the game because we're at Gen Con. And I'm like, dude, you want to come sit and watch this game? Like these mm-hmm. guys are gonna play Iron Heroes. And Bob's like, mm, I don't know. And I'm like, no, but really, do you want to come sit and watch this game? <laughs> because I really wanted the players to hand Bob um, the information at the end. So uh, it worked out. It worked out. What's yours, Phil? Um, cool. Um, mine um, is um, mine was while I love the idea of it, it was one of my moments when I was trying to be clever. So as we know, never be clever. Um, and um, I did a, a one shot side quest in our corporation game. Um, the players had um, the players were um, berating me that they didn't have enough money to buy all of the really cool things in the game. And I wasn't super hot on giving them some of the really cool things in the game um, because the um, the game corporation is super powered in terms of like the range of equipment from like simple guns to these like um, small um, mech frames that you can wear. Um, and, you know, my feeling was like, if I just give them money or give them access to these things, um, I can't get the genie back in the bottle, so to speak. Right. I can't, I can't undo this. So I was like, well, how can I like, how can I let them experience all this stuff, but not have to suffer with all this gear in the, in the rest of the campaign. So unbeknownst to them, this is where I go wrong. Um, Unbeknownst to them had, I think I pitched them the story. I think they would have all been fine with it, but because I was being clever, unbeknownst to them, I cloned them and gave them the mission. I let them arm themselves up with a, it was like Christmas day worth of equipment. They then went in and slaughtered everything they could in this base. And their goal was to um, upload this program into this nano factory to destroy the nano factory. Um, All of that was correct, except that when they did it, it released a whole bunch of disassembler nanites that began to take apart everything around them. They tried, they tried to run away and one at a time, they all got disassembled. The last character made it all the way out of the facility out onto the um, grounds waiting for air support to come airlift them out. That was never coming. Um, And eventually the whole site gets consumed by these nanites and it's destroyed. And then we take a break. We go to the bathroom because of course I ended on a cliffhanger because I'm a complete asshole. Go and take a break, come back. And I'm like, and you wake up in this room and you know, you know, the mission mission officer explains to you that you've been cloned and all this stuff. And um, no one was happy. Um, (laughs) No, no one. 
No one thought that. No one was like, shucks, Phil, that was very clever of you. You had us going. No, everyone was pissed. Um, and rightfully so. It would have been a very easy, um, in retrospect, it would have been very easy to just um, have asked for consent and been like, hey, guys, here's my solution to your problem. Let's go do this one shot thing. We'll have fun. Just know that like when it's done, I'm smoking all your characters. Um and we'll go back we to the probably main would game. have been fine with it. Yeah, it probably would have been In fine. Hindsight, but I yeah. had I, I had to be clever about it and yep. uh, pissed everybody off. I believe I bought your guys affection back by upgrading the shit out of your um, out of your uh, drop ship thing. Um, mm-hmm. So anyway, um, but it was um, it was a well-intentioned, badly executed idea in the moment, though. It was super fun. Like it was super like they had a blast mowing things down and just trying out like all the gear in the books they could never afford and stuff like that. So, Um, but it was definitely a one shot and it was part of the adventure because the um, purpose of it was to knock out the competition's factory for um, this uh, product that their corporation was trying to make. So it actually did have a actual um, purpose in the game and it did actually contribute to the overall campaign arc. Um, it just, it wasn't the same characters. They just looked the same. <laughs> yep. It was a thing. All right. Question number two of the types of one shot side quests that we mentioned previously in the Punnett Square. Uh, which do you find the most appealing and why? Yeah. Um, I mean, I like all of these. So I'm just going to pick, I'm going to pick one of them. Jerry picked a different one. Um, so we'll cover a couple of them. I like same characters, different game. I think it's fun to see characters translated uh, between different games. One of my first experiences doing this um, was like ninth grade. We were playing um, D&D, second edition, I think. And uh, well, I don't know. I say second edition, but it was whatever that amalgamation of AD&D, D&D <laughs> and basic that we used to play incorrectly. Whatever that thing was, we called it D&D. And um, we took our D&D characters and we did an adventure where they went through a portal and wound up in um, New York City. But in order to play it, instead of playing it with D&D stats, we converted all our characters to Marvel superheroes and then gave them D&D stats and let them run around. Um, We actually didn't have them encounter any supervillains. We just used um, Face Rip to play out. Uh, the rest of the adventure, um, which involved us um, finding some artifacts and and stuff like that. But it was fun. It was just cool to, um, we all had fun arguing about like, well, your 21 strength is what, is that an amazing, is that, you know, like a remarkable, like that mm-hmm. kind of thing. Um, and trying to figure out everybody's, you know, agilities and um, give them some powers and stuff like that. And then, you know, we played face rip, which we had, you know, been playing a bunch of anyway in like in those days. So it was totally fun. Um, I really like when you, when you do different game, the translation of the character, I think is really the, um, is really the draw to it is like, how does my character look in this game? So that's mine. For the record, 21 21 strength is remarkable. Thank you. I think I got, (laughs) I think I argued it up to amazing, which seems ridiculous, but that is ridiculous. Ridiculous. I know (laughs) I, um, I'll just tell you this before I cut over to you. So this is, this is, again, this is like, uh, this is middle school, um, playing we're playing our campaign and I'm like eighth level fighter. Um, 
And we are um, in this, um, we're in the keep on the borderlands. And it's in this case, we're playing campaign style, not we're not playing the adventure. And it's about to be overrun by goblins, like tons of goblins. And we're figuring, like, we're trying to figure out how we're going to defend this keep. And I had two potions in my bag. I had um, a potion of growth and a potion of giant strength. And I was like, you know what we need here is I just need to be a giant. I'm drinking both potions. Now, if you remember from AD&D, there is a rule in AD&D that if you drink two potions, you need to roll on a table to find out what happens to, to you for drinking two potions at the same time. So I roll, I get 100, which is um, one of the two potions permanently takes effect. So we rolled 50-50. Is it the giant strength or is it the growth? And turned out to be giant strength. So uh, I had a 21 strength for my character for the rest of the campaign. Um, and also um, inadvertently broke lots of things like tables and doors and stuff like that. Um, but it was um, but it was a hoot. And so, yes, that's how I wound up with a 21 strength heading into uh, face rip. Remarkable, huh? <laughs> yeah, I got it. Yeah. Excellent is up to 800 pounds. Remarkable is 800 pounds to a ton. Incredible yeah. is is a ton to ten tons, and amazing would be ten tons to fifty tons. Yeah, there's how I, I yeah. must have just been really good at arguing at that point. Yep, like, yep, yep. Yeah, it was pretty funny though. Um, but yeah, face it was fun converting him to face rip. Like it was, um, it was cool. And the face rip system was a fun way to like do some, you know, like some um less, uh, you know, less lethal combat running around New York City, punching cops and breaking into um museums and shit like that well because we were breaking into a museum they took a they took they they took umbrage (laughs) they took umbrage at our intrusion and since all we did was ever go through dungeons like they were guarding the treasure Mm -hmm. Uh uh-huh that's what happens yeah all right jerry tell me tell me about another uh another type um as you can probably tell from my previous thing i really like different characters same game we do this a lot in VNV, but I've done this in other games. We've done this in Pathfinder, done this in D&D, uh, did it in um, Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay. Um, never did it in GURPS, because GURPS is one of the few games I don't make a ton of NPCs for. <laughs> um, uh, GURPS but yeah. is a game that could have used a computer program. <laughs> yes, very much so. Um, it's, uh, it, ri- it rivals champions in the... If you're good at math, you will break the system rules. But um, it's it's still a fun game. But I I like 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 Phil. I like all the different variations. But different characters save game is uh, I think it's a great way to play a game. Uh, as a GM, I love it because it get, lets me tell different stories that are away from the campaign for a session. Um, and the players often seem to really enjoy it because it gives them a chance to do something a little different. Um, and this is a this is a way to. Uh, check with your players and see what's the thing they haven't got a chance to try yet. You know, I always play the fighter. I want to play a wizard for one adventure and see how a wizard ends up playing. I can't follow all those spells, but if I've just got the spells I need to have, that's fun to do and so on. Um, it can be a lot of fun to just do to do things that way. Um, and I'm just going to go back to Phil. I would love to play D&D in face rip. Go ahead, Phil. Yeah, I was just going to mention, the, you know, the other cool part when you do um, uh, different characters, same game. Um, is that because it's a one shot, um, ride it like you stole it. Yeah. Like, you know, if, if all your characters, if you TPK the game, mm-hmm. a la 
um, Rogue Squadron. Like, that's awesome. You don't want to TPK your campaign guys, but like if you TPK the one shot crew, like rock on. So I, yeah. think, I think one of the, I could be wrong on this. It might just be our GM ran it. I think one of the Eberron campaign settings starts out with the players playing different groups of characters during the, the, the morning and they do all this cool stuff. They find this stuff and then they all die. And then flash forward to five years later, and now you're playing your characters who are totally different characters who have to go find something that those characters had. Oh, that, that's, that's pretty shiny. awesome. That's, yep. that's yeah, pretty that's awesome. Cool. Uh, 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 the only downside I, to TPKing those side characters is mm-hmm. if they happen to be like cool NPCs that you guys really like, and then you yes. end up getting them all killed, like that can be like yeah. a, a real bummer. But it can yeah, also then be you great to go, impetus for the, the main characters to like get revenge for their, you know. Their then you have to have a series that takes place before the one shot that tells some more information about, hence the Cassian Andor series, right? Like became yeah. such a cool character that they had to go make another series before that. Yeah. Uh, also, also, uh, uh, just be careful that you don't um, kill off the Hobgoblin by mistake and not tell anybody. Those of you familiar with the great, with the famous Marvel comics where they did a one shot with Wolverine and Spider-Man and killed off a mystery character that wasn't supposed to die. Um, <laughs> it'll happen. It'll happen. Uh, it can be a lot of fun though. I say, do it though. Different characters, same game, run with it. Bob. Go for it. Yeah. So when I started thinking about this, I'm like, man, it really depends on the game. Um, it's kind of a cop out answer. And in a, in a way, no, it doesn't like, you know, <laughs> but what I'm a I'm a fan of um, the beat break. So, like, if you got a, a, a scenario or a, a campaign that's mostly serious, where you like, you know, it's not like super grim dark the whole way through, but it's like it's a serious campaign, and you know, there's a little bits of levity, you know, like a typical Marvel movie, you know, um, they throw in bits of levity here and there, but um, but it's it's a serious, you know, it's a serious story going on, like. I, I'm I'm a fan of like taking that that break from the seriousness and be like you know we're gonna do the one shot where you know like everybody you know is hanging out at like this party and like hilarity ensues whatever you know just to have something different um, to break things up give you that change of pace um, with same characters same same game just you're changing the beat temporarily before you go. Like maybe you've got like a good big mission that you're gearing up for and you're like, you know, we may not all make it out of this alive. Let's go have one big, you know, one big party before we go just in case or something like that, you know, just uh, switch it up a little bit, change the beat. So that'd be the one that I would go with. I, I, I just to jump back, I just thought of one more time that you can use different characters, same game or different characters, different, different setting is when you want to do the famous holiday special. The horror-themed adventure for Halloween, the Christmas special where everybody saves Santa Claus, um, or your 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 figure of note, um, whatever. That's always you know uh, a good one to do. Um, and if your players are really talented, the musical episode. So, all good places to do this. Yeah. Now, what you probably aren't going to be able to pull off is the silent episode where nobody speaks. <laughs> that works for TV. That's not really going to be, 
<laughs> not really no. going to be something you can pull off in an RPG sitting at a table with your friends. No, but uh, the musical would be another one you could yeah, do. Musical, you could definitely yeah. do. Although Special you musical. have to have a dedicated group that that really wants to throw down with the musical episode. Yeah, I am. I am not musically inclined enough to pull that off. Hmm. I yeah. could appreciate it, but I don't think yeah. I could pull one off. All right. What's the last question? All right. All right. Number three, in game, or sorry, in a game that you're currently playing, or when you've played in the past, what kind of one shot side quest would you like to try, Bob? Yeah, I thought about this a lot, um, and I think there's there's a couple of different answers. Um, one of them being, I would like to see uh, um, a side quest with some of our NBA characters in uh, Swords Without Master. Okay. Where they have to do a thing and they go out. <laughs> Phil's, Phil's got this look for the people that are, that are listening on radio. Phil's got this look like, oh shit, that's a great idea. <laughs> go on. Set a subset of the characters, one or more, um, like have to do this side quest for whatever. Maybe it's a flashback to something that happened in the past. Maybe it's one of the background uh, things that got a couple of the characters together. But we do it with Swords Without Master where we're just basically telling the story. And, you know, you get your you get your rogues phase where we get to be totally awesome badasses um, and that kind of thing. I think that would be really fun, especially with those characters, because there's some interesting characters. Um, I think that'd be one. Would I, would be like. a, I think that would be a blast is I don't know if you remember this from the. Um, from the background, but the plot that I would like to play and just expand it to include the rest of the group is that before the campaign starts, um, Kestrel and Vassal are involved in rigging the World Cup. Yes. <laughs> that would be like, that would be an amazing, um, that'd be an amazing Swords Without Master one shot to play is how did you all get involved in rigging the world cup? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. I got all unpacked there. It's all good. <laughs> I got all excited um, and distracted because in the chat room, uh, when Bob, when you guys mentioned the silent episode, uh, Jared made reference to one of the greatest uh, comics ever, which is GI Joe issue 21 silent interlude, yep. um, which is the uh, snake eyes story that has, no words in it other than the title silent interlude on the um, first page. Uh, and it is easily one of the most badass. Um, first of all, it's one of the most badass comic books. Second, I will just say that most people don't give GI Joe Marvel's GI Joe a good shake or a fair shake. It is a, it was a very good comic. Um, but silent interlude is also for anybody who has remotely a GI Joe nerd. Um, is the episode that establishes the link between snake eyes and storm shadow. And that builds into a much bigger thing, but it is the first time that um, you find out that there is a linkage between the two of them based on the tattoo that they both have from the ninja clan. They were in anyway, ridiculous. I love it. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> cannot resist. I cannot resist a moment to talk about the, the yep. early G.I. Joe comic book. Okay. All right. So that's mine. Cool. That's a good one. I like it. Um, the one I thought about that I thought would be fun was if we took um, our masks character. So from the campaign that Bob, um, Glenn and Tony were in and turned them into face rip characters and and played out some like straight up superhero battle stuff. We had, you know, masks is really like superhero battles and masks really about um, 
you know, five minutes of fighting and 10 minutes of talking about your feelings about the fight, which for masks is perfect and amazing. But I actually think it would just be fun to let those characters loose on some bad guys and just, you know, do some straight up superhero fighting kind of thing. So I thought that would be fun. Um, I imagine it would be tougher for Tony. Um, um, although I don't know, because if I remember correctly, Power Cosmic in Marvel Superheroes is equally broken. Um, mm-hmm. I think Power yeah. Cosmic in every game is equally broken. Yes. Um, and uh, Tony's character was the, um, oh, what was what was the playbook called? I just always call it the Phoenix, but I don't think that's the actual name of the yeah, playbook. The, I, I don't know. I've played that scene. The character. Nova. The Nova. Nova. Yes. Yes. Um, and Tony's character would be really interesting to stat in that game because um, um, they were pretty, um, pretty ridiculously powerful. Yep. Um, so anyway, I thought that would just be fun. Like I thought that'd just be a fun way to to kind of see see the difference. Cool. What about you, Jer? Uh, for me, uh, we for my old Pathfinder campaign, um, we did a side adventure for two weeks when some of the players were gone working out of town. One of my players was a carny. And so during the summertime, he would disappear for a couple of weeks at a time when they were out doing all the local fairs. And it was also the same time that another player was doing stuff. So we ended up um, just running a, a, a scenario with some of the NPCs the players met because they were in the middle of an adventure path. I didn't want to keep the AP going while we had something else going on. Um, and we did it by investigating an unresolved plot thread. And that group really worked well together. And um, part of the fun of it was that we had a couple of people that knew about Pathfinder but hadn't played it. And so they showed up. So I had a full table of players, but only two of them were the existing players and the rest of them were people kind of drifting in and out that wanted to play. And so um, we ran that and ran with these NPCs using all pre-generated characters I had that I was handing out as we needed stuff. Um, To the point that when the other players came back, um, the party liked hanging out with these NPCs and eventually, uh, two of the people that showed up that were not part of the original group joined the group and just wanted to run those NPCs they played, turning the NPCs into PCs. Um, but with all that together, um, I'd love to run another session with those NPCs and their adventures that were parallel to the main game. Because what we ended up doing was, while the heroes were out doing the main storyline, there were other plots that were left kind of un- uh, unfinished, and the NPCs were involved in following up on that and doing other little scenarios and encountering more NPCs and uh, encoding more stories and uh, falling in love and starting trouble and burning down a building by mistake and all that kind of stuff. And um, I would always love to go back to that because um, that Pathfinder group was a lot of fun, especially since like half of them had never run a role, had never played a role-playing game before. So it was a chance to teach some new players how to, how to role-play a game even though Pathfinder is very crunchy, uh, I ran it with a lot of non-crunchy bits to it, and the players got into that part of it, which was a lot of fun. Um, it was really good. It just worked really well. We had a good time with it. I would love to run those uh, things. And because of my three answers, like you could all tell, I love running games where the players take over the NPCs and just run with it. I will do that almost every time. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> all right. I mean, it totally works, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Cool. That's our look at one shots one shot side quests right that's our look at one shot side quests for tonight we hope that as you're looking into small divergent stories in your campaigns that some of this advice will help you run them 
And we're going to do a check-in one more time with the chat room before we head on into the conversation corner. So we we're talking about all these different flavors of, uh, of, of one shot, like the musical episode and the silent episode. Jared reminded me, reminded all of us, uh, there was an episode of Supernatural where the whole episode was from the point of view of the backseat of the car. <laughs> and it was amazing. <laughs> it was amazing. Uh, and Jared just brought up another thing. Um, adjacent to the connected one shot, the fate horror companion talks about running the cold open when all the victims get killed as a way for the players to add details to the upcoming story and generate fate points before the PCs show up. Oh, so that's, that's interesting. That's really beautiful. That's great. Yep. hundred <clears> percent <throat> for that. Good call, Jared. Yeah. Nice design. And, uh, I don't know who, uh, I don't know who wrote that part, but hat tip. Yeah to uh hat tip to that idea that's a fantastic way to uh to do that so um yeah i like that i like that i could also i could also imagine one where you do um um it would be fun playing like sequels to a horror game but keep playing them in different um systems like one final you play like um was it final girl to have one character to be the impetus to bring together a group to go after you know the bad guy in the next movie play that in a certain system that kind of thing i would also be down for that and of course andy is convinced that their group would be able to pull off the silent episode i think their group could their group is uh their group is quite imaginative they're they're quite imaginative and they are good to go for almost any concept (laughs) uh no cards i've i've actually i've played in a campaign um I think it was Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles of all things, where the GM had pre-generated characters and my character had does not speak. And so all the conversation and notes I had to do during the game were all things I had to write down and hand out to players. Um, and it was all but supposedly see, that my character was trying to communicate. It was a lot of fun that way. Don't, like, that don't forget the time for Bob was person. just a pair of eyes. Yeah, yeah. that's true. <laughs> yeah, that, that all yeah. works great with one person. But if every character is supposed to be not talking and you're going to write down stuff on a card and hold it up to show people, you might as well be saying it like we're not talking, but I'm doing this. It's, I mean, like I get the spirit of it. Like nobody's talking, but if you're going to sit there and write it all down, like I think it, it, I don't know. It, my brain just can't accept that as being a valid. <laughs> I mean, I mean, well, I mean, if, I mean, if you really want to play with a good group of players, you have the thing where you're like, you know, you have to pantomime everything, you know, like, so you're looking in the room. Okay. You know, <laughs> you're going to hit him with your sword, right? You know, that could also be fun. If the GM's the only one who gets to talk for the whole game. Um, I think it'd be a difficult thing to run. But... If they want to try it, go yeah. for it. <laughs> yeah. I think it'd be tough, but yeah. Uh, I, I, uh, I mean, it's an interesting challenge. Be interesting to see somebody pull it off. Yes. Um, Jared Rasher says he wants a Star Trek adventure rules for the ship being run as a character. Isn't that just transit? No, that's discovery. Discovery. Spoilers. Yeah. Spoiler. No, I'm no, 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 I'm at no transit. Isn't that a role play game? Isn't yes. that a role play game you talk nope, about? I'm yep. with you. Yep. Yep. Um, yeah, I would, um, of, of the interesting um, Star Trek ones, I don't know if you, I don't know who remembers this from, um, I think it's season one DS nine. Um, there's an episode where the universal translator doesn't work for a while and the um 
the people from the Gamma Quadrant keep trying to talk, but nobody can understand them for like half the episode. And then like slowly through the episode, the universal translator catches up and starts putting in words. And then finally they can speak. I want to say that one's that episode's called Babel. But yes, um, the screens, correct. Yep. Nicely. Andy, done. Andy Fox, Andy Fox for the win on that one. Yep. Circle Picard, gets a, when circle the, gets when a square. It's Picard when the circle tea is served. Gets the square. So. <laughs> no, you have, to, you have to be a certain still. age. You have to be a certain age to understand circle gets the square. I'm still going to say that was one of the greatest game shows of all time and just leave it at that. I loved that show. Uh, that show along with Match Game. Um, yes. Oh my God. Match those two, those, those two shows were essentially the same show yeah. um, in just different formats. We're talking about Hollywood Squares for those of you youngins. And if you've never seen Hollywood yeah. Squares, it was tic-tac-toe with celebrities who were outrageous. Outrageous. And, gener- and and it was at the time the the celebrities often tried to push the boundaries of what kind of innuendo they could get away with on TV. Yeah. Um, and so you know when you had Paul Lind and Betty White sitting side by side, trading trading comments, and uh, it was a lot yep. of fun. Um, yeah. Only- say Bob Center Square. <laughs> yes. Uh, Circle gets a square is the uh, what you call it was what the host would say. Um, the other one, I, the other one, I can't, you know, if we're going to talk about old game shows, the match game was, um, yeah, the match game was basically, um, Mad Libs, um, oh with, with nothing but innuendo, um, and a, and a heavy hilariously. dose of cringe. <laughs> Amazing that that show was allowed on the air in the 1970s. Oh, yeah. How about newlywed game? Yeah. The game was okay. away, no, 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 what I mean though, as far as, as what they got away with. Oh, the show. yes. Yeah. Yeah. The newlywed game, uh, though, wasn't nearly as risque as match game, though, because it just. That's true. <laughs> well, match game I mean, was much better. And yeah. match game, I mean, all the Mad Lib things were very, very pointed, right? Like they yes. were purposely very mm-hmm. risque. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and, and just and then also just the the star caliber on it. Anyway, yes. it's. uh. Yeah. Uh, you actually can find them on the Game Show Network. If you have the Game Show yep. Network, I think you can actually go back and watch um, past games. And I think they tried to, on the Game Show Network, remake the match game, but don't. Go back and watch the 70s ones. No, like, they did a new one on ABC. Um, oh, with, did they? Uh, Alec Baldwin as the host, and it was good. It was, was it? it was okay. Still, it, was, it was entertaining. But yeah, that, it didn't last very long for whatever reason. I don't know if it if it pulled the ratings, but any hoozles. We should probably jump into the conversation corner and keep this, this ball rolling here. Let's do it. So one of the things that I did uh, recently, um, because I've been having so much trouble with my neck and my back again, um, besides going to a massage therapist, which I have an appointment this Thursday, I bought myself a new bed frame. Uh, when I bought my new bed six months ago when I moved into my condo, uh, I got a, an adjustable bed so you could raise the head or the feet. Or both, um, but I neglected to get the feature that I just got, which is the massage. So now <laughs> I can turn on the massage feature, and it is super nice for the the shoulder area. I was just like laying there last night before I, I fell asleep. I was like, man, just from sitting at the computer all day and not having proper, trying to hold the proper posture and keep the shoulders back while I work and stuff, and like it just gets to the point where everything starts to get tight and I laid there and let that massage do the thing. And I was like, Oh yeah, there we go. (laughs) 
I mean, you're like That's living the in the lap right of luxury, there. my friend. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't right. suck. His massaging bed. Yeah. Um, now, if it had heated massage, that'd be a whole different oh my God. level. Of, <laughs> but it did not have heat. So I don't think they make one that does heat, but I could be wrong. We didn't talk about I just it, discovered but. I just discovered that my van has heated seats and a heating steering wheel about three weeks ago. So that's really <laughs> nice. Yeah, uh, that's good for the winter, Jerry. You should know that. I didn't know what but, I had uh, that. yeah, so I uh, I got what a that. Nice, what and, a pleasant uh, discovery. Did you discover the button or did it get hot and you thought you peed yourself? No, no, I was it was it was actually probably a month ago. I got I got in the car and I was driving on one of those days I forgot to start the car. I also I also didn't know I had automatic start on the car until like November. Um, but I was yeah. sitting in the car in, in like late January and it was really cold and I sat down and started driving because I just had to get out to the car and move. And as I'm driving, I, I'm like I saw a little diagram on that little touch screen. And I hate touch screens in cars, that's a different thing entirely. So I'm like, okay, um hit it and all of a sudden I'm like I wonder what that does. And I hit the button and I'm driving all of a sudden the steering wheel heats up. I'm like, well, if that's what's going on, this must be the seat heats up. And that, yep. that did it. And uh, yeah. it's very nice when I'm, you know, going out to the car at, at six in the morning to take off for somewhere. And it's, you know, yeah, absolutely two, two degrees outside. So uh, anyway, back to so besides uh, Bob, that, what else? Yeah, uh, we had, uh, we had a really good D and D game Friday night. Mm-hmm. Um, we had our uh, our nice black agent session on Sunday, which was a lot of fun. Um, caught up on uh, on Disco and Picard this week. The uh, first episode of Picard, uh, right out of the gate, I think they 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 established it good. Um, I played a little bit of Valheim because they uh, they added some some new stuff to the mountains, so I was trying to find some of that stuff. And of course, a little No Man's Sky, a lot less Valheim and No Man's Sky because I've been reading like a fiend. Um, in the last couple of weeks, I've read like four books, so <laughs> I'm just plowing Congrats. through them now. So I like the fact that I have carved out time now in my schedule to sit and read. So very important for me to get through some of these books and it keeps me off the computer and, and gives me more opportunities to relax my, my shoulders and stuff from all, uh, the, uh, the heavy computer posture. So what's up with you, Jerry? Well, my new, my one thing is the new D and D game. Um, Chris is running a new D&D game in a custom uh, world with some new custom abilities, very elementally aspected uh, characters. And um, we did a session zero character generation and storyline. And it was kind of neat because we started out by describing our characters and then started building our characters a little bit. And then we stopped building our characters. And Chris tossed us in the middle of an adventure where it was all just narrative. Um, basically how we met it was okay you two know each other you how do you meet this person then how do you meet this person and what did you, you know and then it was the what major event you know did this for your characters great we're going to play that out for five minutes and so as we built our characters we would stop generating our characters to play out a scene with those characters at that point of our character gener- uh, determination it was a lot of fun to the point where we finished making our characters we had a good grasp of um who our characters were, how we interacted with each other, why we were still together as a team, and also generated a bunch of NPCs for the for the game later on. So the players, things that we already doing. So it, it made, you know, we haven't actually rolled die number one yet, and I'm already psyched up about what these characters can do yeah. um, and our interaction with each other. Um, and it also helped a lot because, because these were new characters, 
we didn't all have a concrete concept sitting. I think Bob had kind of an idea what he wanted to play. I think Jen, Bridget, and I kind of had a, well, I'm not going to play this, and that's about it. And as we did this going along was, oh, I want to do this instead of this, or I want to try this. And we changed things around. So as we built our characters, you got more ideas and took away analysis paralysis because you just played something. Oh, that would be cool. I'd like to be able to do that. Like, okay, my character gets proficiency with a single weapon of my choice. Whip. Whip sounds cool. I'm going to be whip with magical spells that are on it. So um, it's that kind of stuff. So it's, I just think it really went well and uh, got me excited for the, for the game in two weeks. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to lie, Jerry. Uh, I, I, yeah. I, I, I hate to, I hate to say, I'm going to tell Chris too, but um, yeah. I, I, I did not like the um, let's, let's, let's have a mini session here while you're building characters. If he just okay. said, how do you guys like, you know, how did you meet? Yeah, we went and we did this thing, but he made mm-hmm. it an actual moment where he's like, okay, Jerry's standing there. He's got the swords flashing in front of him. What do you do? And I'm like, I don't know what the fuck I do. I haven't picked any spells yet. Like if I knew what spells I had, I'd be like, okay, I would do this or I would do like, I was like at a loss. I'm like, I have no idea oh, yeah. what I'm doing. Like if he had left it way more narrative rather than being like, what are you actually doing? Like as if it was a session, like, I would have been way happier with it. I was not happy trying to figure out what I did when I didn't have a full character built. So that, that part left me a little off, but I like what we ended up with. Absolutely. Um, And I'm very excited about the game. This, that piece, I was like, I would have done that a little differently if I was running it. I I think if it would have just been, I cast a spell and then have it go, might have been a little easier, but yeah, direct narration would have been a little more difficult with that kind of thing. Yeah. I could definitely see where that could be difficult for that. Uh, but I think it went well overall. Yeah. Um, for everything else, um, I started watching Better Call Saul just because I was, it's one of those things I watched YouTube and saw something and decided I'd never seen the series. Um, watched Never Call Saul, saw season one of Never Call Saul, finished season one of Justified. Uh, I'd read the short story years ago and I liked this story, so I started watching that. Um, nice Black Agent this weekend was a lot of fun. And, um, I think Phil should talk about what he did in that. If we do, don't do it here, I think it'd be great for the after show. Um, and uh, of course, watched the premiere of Picard and caught up on Disco. So got my Star Trek fix in. I'm looking forward to see how they wrap up Disco. And um, Picard was just strong. Uh, watched a couple of movies, uh, Lady in Black with uh, Daniel Radcliffe and Six Underground, which is um, kind of Michael Bay's take on Ocean's Eleven meets Fast and the Furious mm-hmm. uh, meets Jason Bourne. Um, not an amazing movie, but a good solid like seven. It's a lot of fun. If you like Fast and Furious, you like it. And uh, and lastly, um, the new Legos dropped uh, for the new season dropped on March 1st, and they have a bunch of specials, including a Jane Goodall, and I went and grabbed that. So that was my thing. Um, just kind of getting prepped up and building a lot of Lego sets and stuff for the day. So, in a nutshell, Phil? Sure. I'll, uh, what's called? I'll, I'll talk about uh, Knights of Black Agents. Um, so, ran NBA this this week. Now we've been doing a whole bunch of missions. In fact, we did like four missions um, up to this point. And and the thing about them was, um, we were doing them one after the other without a break. So there was like literally no break. Um, I think like I think something like seven or ten days of campaign time passed in those four missions. Um, and one of the comments um, that I think Sean had made when we were playing was like, "When are we going to do some character stuff?" And I was like, yes, when are we going to do some character stuff? So 
Um, we agreed that when the last mission ended, that you guys would take off separate ways for four weeks. So I switched up and changed the session from being a mission-based um, adventure or session to being character-based. And we did like little mini vignettes for each of your characters. But then also, um, I didn't want to just have throwaway scenes for you guys. So I wanted, you know, a lot of you had asked that you wanted to do some extra vampire research and things like that. So I was like, cool. I want to pull in some of my original brainstorming from the game. Um, when I was kind of working on the early parts of the vampire conspiracy, I wanted to start pulling some of that in. And at first I was like a little hesitant about pulling in like so much material, but I was like, fuck it. Like, just like literally ride your own campaign. Like you stole it. So um, for a number of you, the um, as you were doing your research, this same last name appears in a couple of the scenes, starting to give a hint um, about the vampires and um, some of their activities uh, from World War um, from World War II, the seventies, and uh, the War on Terror. Like I kind of stretched that. Like you all were looking in different places, so I was actually able to kind of give you. Um, some interesting pieces and um, fairly confident. Oh, Jim's thing was a little different because Jim was actually hacking the vampire's um, private computer network. So that's a little on the side. Um, but I will even say this, even Sean's um, storyline is not without its hooks um, for the greater wow. campaign. <laughs> um, so mm -hmm. I actually had a lot of fun doing that. And it was um, a time where I got to play a whole bunch of different characters. So I got to play, um, various NPCs, which we haven't done in this game, because mostly what you do in what you've been doing in this game has been um, chasing down intelligence and like doing operations. So um, totally fun to uh, kind of switch up and do a little bit of character stuff, uh, which I want to do actually going forward between missions, either between every mission or between every couple of missions. Um, have that beat change, have you guys separated and do some individual stuff. So I think we'll we'll definitely keep doing that. So yeah, that, that was my, that's my big one. That's my in-depth one. Um, other things I have not gotten to do a lot. I played a little bit of No Man's Sky. Um, I finally finished Book of Fett. Uh, my son came over and we knocked out um, the last two episodes of Book of Fett. So I enjoyed that. Um, no surprises for me in it. Uh, I shouldn't say that. Um, the, uh, the showdown in Western terms mm -hmm. was no surprises for me, um, which was good because it was everything I wanted in a showdown. Mm -hmm. um, so that was, uh, that was fantastic. Um, and, um, and Fennec for the win, right? Like just, Oh, like was very happy to see that loop closed uh, later. Um, anyway, I really liked it a lot. Um, I like, I, I just, I was fine with the series. I know people have had their problems with the series. I, I don't have a problem with it. Was it my favorite one? No, I still, I think Mando was, I think the Mandalorian still was still a stronger series. Was it a nice kind of like side quest heading into the next season of Mandalorian? Yeah. Sure. Like, sure. Did a nice job of like kicking me off. Like it did a nice job of kicking itself off into another um, season and getting me ready for Mando season three. So I appreciated that. Um, I finished the first season of Ted Lasso. Oh man, what a good show this is. Like, if you just want to feel good, like a story about good people and people being good. Oh, it is. Bob, you will love it. Like you will love Ted Lasso. 
Um, if so many things of mine weren't connected to my Apple account, I would easily just give you my Apple account and just let you watch it. Um, but I highly recommend, since you have a T-Mobile phone, um, to just enact the T-Mobile, um, if they still have it, the free Apple clause and get yourself. Yeah, they, um, they, did, not, they did not give that to me. Oh, that is a shame. Um, what a treat um, Ted Lasso is. Just a very warm and pleasant show. Um, I'm enjoying it immensely, and I'm only, I'm only just started season two, so I'm happy to let that go a little further. And and that was it. I I did try to do a little reading inspired by Bob. I I read a little um, and fell asleep in my book. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then last night I, I couldn't read. Last night, last night I was um, I was I was a bad place last night. Um, luckily, I just shut down and went to sleep, um, which was fine. Um, I may attempt to try to read tonight. Um, I am hell bent on finishing my um, uh, Gibson uh, story, um, the the most recent of his jackpot trilogy. I have n- I have agency. I have still not gotten through it, and um, I very much want to. Um, I will say this because I won't I won't go on too much longer. Um, I'm a huge Gibson fan. I've read everything that he's done, and um, next to the Sprawl trilogy, uh, the jackpot trilogy is easily my number two um, my number two trilogy. Um, of his writing I, I it's brilliant um it's brilliant it's just really good fun like it's really good sci-fi um and super cool. interesting so anyway that's me i'm done all right well that will bring us to our patreon shout outs so thank you very much to jt evans jared rasher who is sitting in the chat room tonight jen pixelscapes gagney <laughs> jim fitzpatrick joseph peralta carl Helperin, Michael Draper, my Brett, not my personal Brett, somebody's Brett, Ninjabi, and the Rainmaker. And thank you to everybody for listening tonight. Indeed, indeed. If you are free on Tuesday evenings at 8 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. the Queen's time, you're welcome. Come join us live on Twitch where you can chat with the other listeners in the chat room for life and ask us the occasional question. And if you can't make it to the live show, check out our podcast each week wherever you get your podcasts. And take a listen to some of the other shows in the Mr. Mark Network, such as They're Super Geek, Mastering Dungeons, Bonestorm Obsidian, The FM Gamers, Hannah's Talking Games, The Gnomecast, Janku Hustle, The Lounge, Bonus Experience, and the amazing back episodes of She's a Super Geek, where you can find uh, Thirsty Sword Lesbians being played. You can and should also check out our sibling podcasts, Tabletop Bed, Bellhop, The Knights of the Night, and the always amazing Gaming and BS. Mm-hmm. Before you select which game system you're going to put your characters into for that one shot, leave us some feedback. You can reach us directly via email, mmp at misdirectedmark.com, or hit us up on the Twitters. The show and the network is at misdirectedmark. He is Robert M. Everson. He is GM Gerrymander. I am DNA Phil. <clears throat> if you like what we do here and on the other shows in the misdirect. Misdirected so Mark close. word scramble so in the Misdirected Mark network. You can support our Patreon campaigns, MMP, Mastering Dungeons, and Pandas Talking Games are at patreon.com slash MMP. Django Hustle is at patreon.com slash Django Hustle. And bonus experience is at patreon.com slash bonus experience. Patrons of MMP, Mastering Dungeons, and Pandas Talking Games get access to the after show, pre-production show notes, musical parodies, the Bamboo Lounge, and other special releases. This has been a Misdirected Mark production, the media arm of Encoded Designs. Mic drop. We out.